0: You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Steven Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine division of endocrinology and metabolism university of california san diego and san diego veterans administration healthcare system
1: sexual dysfunction is a well recognized consequence of diabetes in both men and women what is available to treat patients affected by this potentially devastating condition joining us to discuss the link between diabetes and sexual dysfunction is certified diabetes educator and nationally known sex specialist in Miami, Florida, Janice Rosler. Janice, welcome to ReachMD.
2: Hi, thanks for inviting me.
1: Well, let's talk about the prevalence of sexual dysfunction in people with diabetes, both men and women.
2: Okay, we've got a lot of people. As far as the men, the statistics have been as high as 32% for those who have type 1 diabetes, and as high as 46%. Of men who have type 2, and as far as women, the numbers are a little more difficult to get, but we believe that close to 50% of women who have diabetes are suffering with some type of sexual dysfunction. Most women are not aware that their diabetes life could have anything to do with their sexual life. If they're not enjoying sex, if they're having problems with achieving an orgasm or having pain during intercourse or vaginal dryness, a lot of times they just figure, hey, I'm a wonder woman, I'm doing too much, maybe it's uh, early menopause, or I'm just stressed out and I'm not getting enough sleep, and they never look to to diabetes in their own health care to see if that could have a relationship. And the
1: word is so much more out there with men. What I tell the younger residents is that the sexual dysfunction of diabetic men is that their desire is there, but they just can't act on it and that's a little bit different than the females.
2: Well, definitely it is different and also men have some you know variations on a theme. sometimes they can't get an erection and sometimes they have uh, premature ejaculation, which is more common in individuals with diabetes, and they may lose their erection altogether once they have it because, as you mentioned, you've got nerve issues and you've got circulation issues. And if a person cannot get the blood to flow down to the penis when it's desired, then there's going to be problems getting an erection. And if the nerve communication between the brain and the penis is then suggesting that the muscles tense up so the blood stays there in order to hold the erection, then you lose the erection. So a lot of things can happen.
1: Well, what are the main challenges for the primary care physician regarding dealing with sexual dysfunction in their patients?
2: Well, I think one of the real main issues is that a lot of healthcare professionals, a lot of physicians don't necessarily get an opportunity to talk about this. They've got so many things that they handle, and this topic doesn't always come up. A lot of doctors assume that the patient's going to say something if that's an issue, and we're a society that talks about a lot of things, but people are very, very reluctant to talk about their own sexual health, especially if they have a close relationship to their primary care physician, which happens because you see the same person for many years. They really need to understand that the topic has to be brought up they also have to deal with their own reluctance to bring it up. I spoke at a CDC conference several years ago to physicians and to diabetes educators, and I asked for a show of hands for how many of them routinely brought up the question of sexual health with their patients, and they all looked at the floor and looked elsewhere, and the hands didn't go up because they themselves didn't know how to bring up the topic. And I realized... Doctors are used to talking about all different types of physical issues. But the sexual satisfaction of our patients is paramount in their health as a living, thriving human being. And when things are not going right, the stresses can affect all areas of their life.
1: How could you open up the conversation or the question? Do you have an example for us?
2: Sure. One way I like to suggest, and I've done it myself, is I start to go over the list of possible complications that go along with diabetes. And I go down the laundry list and we're talking about vision changes, blindness, and all the good ones, amputation, kidney problems, heart problems, circulation, whatever. Just going down the list and saying, by the way, I also want to mention that it can affect people in the bedroom. And then you wait a beat and you wait and see what reaction you get. And most of the patients that I have said that to will look at me and say, wow, that's Kind of good you brought that up because I have been having problems. We need them to work as a team and being able to turn to one another and engage in sexual communication, which is a very intense form of communication in a couple, is really important.
1: Then you add emotional and psychological issues on top of either partial or full erectile dysfunction and it even gets worse.
2: First of all, we should define erectile dysfunction An erection problem can happen to most men at some point in his life. The time when we define it as an actual problem is if it starts to happen in more than half of his attempts to have an erection. Then we're talking about something serious that requires attention. So just to have a night when something's not going right doesn't necessarily mean that we've got to call out the Marines and really get an answer going.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD.com. XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Steve Edelman, and I am speaking with Janice Rosler. We are discussing diabetes and sexual dysfunction. Well, what is the difference between men and women in terms of dealing with this issue?
2: I guess I should say the old saying, what does it matter from Mars, women are from Venus. There's a huge difference. First of all, the good news for men is that their ability to succeed in the sexual arena is directly linked To their diabetes control we've got good studies that show that when their a1c's are better their risk of erectile dysfunction goes down so if you have a male patient who is just not paying attention to his diabetes that in itself is a motivator you could say listen Dave you got to get those numbers under control, or you could see some problems in the bedroom. And I've motivated a lot of men to take better care of themselves just because of that. Now, for women, we don't have the same research. We always thought that it was the same deal, that if their control was better, then they would have fewer symptoms. But you can have a woman with a fabulous A1C with incredible, incredible blood glucose control and diabetes control, and she could still have problems. So it's important to know that just because you've got a great patient who has a happy face on her diabetes report card, it doesn't mean that she isn't struggling with this.
1: I would say especially if she's entering the menopause period too because that adds a whole other twist to it.
2: Oh, gosh. It adds the emotional craziness and the hormonal craziness. and We just don't know that much about it. The research on women was pretty poor up until about 2002, which isn't that long ago and of course as you mentioned at the beginning it's easy to tell if a man is aroused you know look down right but uh, how do you measure women a lot of them don't want to participate and have their lubrication quota you know measured i mean it's uh, not an easy thing a lot of them don't want to talk about it and participate in research we know they're suffering we just we just can't get the information.
1: Let's talk about available therapies. Why don't you start off talking about the stepwise approach to treating ED?
2: Okay, so ED our lovely men. Usually the first approach is what everybody sees on TV and that's the famous pills, the oral medications. The thing is they don't work for all men, but what men should know is that if they're not working the dosage may need to be adjusted, or the brand of pill.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have Viagra, we have Levitra.
2: Exactly. They have to know how to use these things. A lot of guys think that the pills are magic and don't realize that they have to put in some effort. Maybe as a couple, they want to watch... Uh, kind of a a bit of erotica or he may want to look through playboy magazine or whatever but you've got to help things go along
1: let's talk about women right now because i know a lot of people ask me do drugs like viagra or cialis or levitro work for women
2: well you know what they're starting to use some viagra there's a woman's viagra that's actually going to be coming out and it's coming out as a lavender pill i think that's the color they're trying with women they think that it may help Enable more blood flow to come to the clitoris and to that whole area. We don't have anything that's for everyone, but the main recommendation I do suggest for women is that, first of all, they get a good quality vaginal lubricant.
1: Well, I did want to mention real briefly that as an endocrinologist, we order three things in our workup. We get a testosterone level, which only accounts for 5% of all cases of ED. We always want to get a prolactin because hyperprolactinemia can cause ED. Also, we want to check thyroid function. But most of the time, these hormone levels are completely normal.
2: Right, exactly. And women tend to be a lot more emotionally connected to the sexual activities. You have to make sure that the woman has enough time and that the stress level is lower and that she has adequate stimulation. And So that's one thing. And also blood glucose control, even though, as I said, we don't see a strong relationship between her control and her sexual complications, but blood sugar swings can make anyone crazy and make anyone lose interest and become fatigued. And you certainly don't want to have a hypoglycemic reaction in the middle of sex.
1: I want to quickly, if you can, go through the other therapies once these oral medications have shown to fail.
2: Okay, so for men, we've got vacuum pumps, which it should work for almost every man. Constriction rings that can be used, especially if they can get an erection, but they can't necessarily maintain the erection. There's injections. There's also suppositories with the same... Alprostadil medication that's in the injection that goes into the penis that some men use. The final line really for men is surgical prosthesis, getting an implant. And a lot of men love them. A lot are incredibly natural. And then for those who truly cannot have an erection whatsoever because there may be too much vascular damage, there are penile sheets that can actually be put on the penis and hold it in place so that intercourse can happen even though there's no erection.
1: You know, if I ever get ED, I want one of those automatic (laughs) ones that you push your garage door opener and it pumps up everything. And and when you're all done, you push off. But uh, in closing, I want to let our listeners know, what are the most important tips you can offer our listeners in terms of dealing with ED with their patients in a short period of time? That's all they have.
2: The main thing is to ask. Ask, ask. Your patients are not going to tell you. Also, please tell your support team, the nurses on staff, the dietitians, the diabetes educators, whoever else is there, to report to you if, in fact, one of the patients does bring it up because they may be more likely to tell the dietitian because they spend more time with her. But really, it's such a quality-of-life issue, and too many people with diabetes assume that once diabetes enters their lives, If they get sexual complications, they just assume that's the end and they will not complain. They think that that's just a side effect of diabetes that they have to live with, and they do not.
1: That's important. Uh, I would like to thank our guest, registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator from Miami, Florida, Janice Rosler. And Janice, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash D-I-A. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com.
3: Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) No. GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like a Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes, and like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1c is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess in a way it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.